0: You know, when we think of quitting, a lot of times uh, we think of throwing in the towel, uh, but sometimes it means giving in. And so um, uh, that's the case uh, with our series here. Uh, we're t- the theme, the overall theme is I quit. And so today we're going to talk about I quit complaining. Now, how many of you know somebody? who seems to complain all the time. Let me see your hand. How many of you know somebody like that? Okay. Um, How many of you are that person? Now, you don't have to raise your hands this time. Okay. I kind of suspected that might be the case. Um, By the time this message is over, you may have something to complain about. Okay. Uh, Interestingly, Uh, Some people complain about everything. Uh, The weather, it's too hot, it's too cold, it's too dry, it's too wet. The music, you know, the style of music is not right. Or the music's too loud, uh, it's too soft. Uh, Fast food service is too slow. You know, it took me three minutes for them to fix my hamburger. You know, totally unacceptable, uh, and I can't believe it, my my cell phone dropped a call again. It seems that some people have the unspiritual gift of complaining. They excel at complaining. Uh, what are you tempted to complain about? Now, I, I looked over a, a study that was done, a survey uh, on people complaining, and uh, and so what it found was that there are a lot of people complain about their jobs, Uh, they don't like their job or they don't like people that they have to work with, other people complain about not having a job, Uh, some people complain about having too much to do, others complain about uh, being bored with nothing to do, and women were real vocal in this survey. Now, I'm not making a statement here, I'm just repeating, uh, observing the facts, Uh, Some ladies complained that they couldn't have children, while an equal number of ladies complained about their children. There were women who complained about their husbands, and women who complained that they had no husband. Uh, There are no godly men around. A lot of women complained about housework. Now, I don't blame them. I understand that. Done a little bit myself. Uh, Some women complained about their bodies. Now, men, they complain about traffic, uh, bad drivers, paying for parking and potholes. Way to go, men. You know, these are things of real substance here. (laughs) My memory is failing me. I recognize this all the time. Uh, But either I preached at one time or I wanted to preach a series uh, that I was going to title Uh, The Potholes of Life. I just thought that that really seemed like a good title for a series. Uh, So, you know, we complain we don't have enough money, we don't have enough nice things, there's not enough time. We complain about people who complain all the time. Wives who put the toilet paper roll on the wrong way. I mean, that is absolutely inexcusable. Is it over or under? I don't know which way. Is, is right, but I guess somebody does. Uh, complaining. So what's the big deal? Everybody does it. Well, guess what? There's even complaining in the Bible. Uh, in the very first instance, which is way back in the beginning of the Bible, and guess what? It's not even a woman, as many would suspect. Uh, Satan tempted Eve. Uh, Eve obviously then sinned and turned to Adam and tempted him to sin uh, after her, Adam was confronted later by God and he complained, his was the first complaint, he complained that it was the woman's fault that God had created for him. In the book of Job, admittedly, Job had all kinds of issues, uh, a lot to complain about with what he went through. Here's what he said in chapter 10, verse 1. I am disgusted with my life. Let me complain freely. My bitter soul must complain. So in other words, Job's saying, I'm not going to hold anything back. I'm just going to let it rip. You know, I've got a lot to complain about. Um, now the group complaining a word that would go to any group in the, in the whole Bible goes to the Old Testament nation of Israel, Um, as they were escaping Egyptian bondage. Uh, If you back up, they had prayed to God on a daily basis that he would deliver them, get them out uh, of bondage. And so God raised up Moses to be their leader. God performed 10 different miracles through Moses uh, to change the heart of Pharaoh who eventually did give in and allowed the Israelites to leave. But as they were leaving, he changed his mind, pursued them with his army, and surrounded them at the Red Sea. They couldn't turn in any direction. They had the sea in front of them and Egyptians on all the other sides. Um, But God parted the sea. They walked across on dry ground. That's two miracles, not one. They walked across on dry ground. Pharaoh hesitated, but then followed, and God closed the waters, and he and his army drowned. But then the Israelites were free, and so God fed them miraculously. They didn't have to work for their food. God took care of them. He extracted water from a rock. Their clothes and their shoes never wore out. Forty years they wandered in the wilderness, and their clothes lasted. Now, some of you can't last for a month or two months. You know, you got to buy new clothes. But theirs lasted for 40 years. Their sandals never wore out uh, during that time. Uh, But they complained uh, all the same. They didn't like the food. They needed variety in their diet. Um, And they said, We wish we would have died back in bondage. On another occasion, Exodus 16, 2 and 3, here's what they said. There too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. Eh, They just gorged themselves. Uh, And yet they wanted out, yet they wanted their freedom. But now, they said, you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. Well, I want to honor God in a significant way, so I quit complaining. I'm just as guilty as any of the rest of you, but I'm going to commit that I'm going to quit complaining. You know, complaining has a cost to it. And so I want us to talk about the cost Of complaining, if you want to be divisive, if you want to hurt the heart of God, if you want to drive other people away in personal relationships and in the church, if you want to hurt yourself, then I challenge you do what most people do, keep on complaining, rationalize it excuse it away, say everybody else does it. It's not that big of a deal. Complaining, however, offends the heart of God. Now, the way I picture it, those of you who have children, if you've ever done a lot uh, for one of your children and they just, in response, just whine about it, um you know, you bless them in so many ways, and they come back, I'm so bored. You know, I've got nothing to do. My life stinks. Oh, you've heard that. I know because I've been there. Um, you want to say very lovingly, With a smile on your face, with the love of the Lord in your heart, you ungrateful little brat. (laughs) Well, I imagine that's how God feels when we complain. Numbers chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. Soon the people began to complain about their hardship, and the Lord heard everything they said. I want you to notice that. The Lord heard everything they said. You need to be aware that whatever you say in your closet, to whomever, in whatever setting, and even if you verbalize it to yourself or think it, God knows. God is fully aware of what you're thinking and what you're saying. Then the Lord's anger blazed against them and he sent a fire to rage among them and he destroyed some of the people in the outskirts of the camp. Then the people screamed to Moses for help and when he prayed to the Lord, the fire stopped. Now, Why did God take this so seriously? He was ticked off. Now, they were adults. They were mature people who should have known better. Um, Their complaints were actually against God. They weren't against Moses, Aaron, and their current leadership. The reason we don't treat our children so severely is that they're immature. They haven't had the opportunity um, to to grow and, and to learn proper behavior yet. But if you fail to take advantage of these Um, teaching opportunities, then they will probably grow up to be just like the Israelites and you. Complaining is like striking or slapping God. Now most of us would not even think about doing something like that. It, It is a serious issue that we want to make trite. On one occasion, Moses was whining to God <clears throat> because the people were complaining to him, but, Moses, uh, but God corrected Moses. He said, they may be complaining to you, but they're really complaining about me. God takes our complaints personally. It offends him all the way to his heart. Now, complaining carries significant consequences. Complaining drives other people away. Very practically, not even considering uh, spiritual implications. If you want to drive people away, just complain all the time. Now that's away from you, away from the church. It'll work. You drive them away if you complain all the time. Someone said, complainers have spiritual bad breath. You know how you are around somebody who always has bad breath. You know, you always stand back, you know, as far as you can, uh, so that you're not affected by that when they when they speak. Uh, that obnoxious odor that comes out of their mouth. Um, actually, in most cases, we try to avoid those people. Well, complaining is like that. It has the same effect uh, on on other people. Complaining carries significant consequences with God. Let's go. On down in Numbers to chapter 14, beginning with verse 27. These are the words of God. He says, how long must I put up with this wicked community and its complaints about me? Yes, I have heard the complaints the Israelites are making against me. Now tell them this. As surely as I live, declares the Lord. Okay, that's absolutely certain the way God expresses that. I will do this to you or I will do to you the very things I heard you say. You will all drop dead in this wilderness because you complained against me. Every one of you who is 20 years old or older and was included in the registration will die. You will not enter and occupy the land I swore to give you. The only exception will be Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. Okay, here's what happened. Uh, The Israelites were complaining, oh, God brought us out here into this wilderness just so that our our babies, just so that our kids would die. God was offended by that. And so God said, okay, those of you 20 years of age and older, you'll not go into the promised land. The ones that you accused me of about to kill in the wilderness, they're the ones that are going to go in. And so that was the consequence of their complaining. I can't prove it directly that God's going to ever do that in your life. Uh, But because He did it here, I think there's a fair chance uh, that, and maybe better than fair, that you're not going to get the blessings that God promised and has in store for you if you persist in complaining. Now, like I said, I can't prove that, but I've got a feeling, a strong feeling, just like uh, you would react to one of your kids. uh, You know, you would say to your child, well, you've been whining too much. No, you're not going to get to go to the party. Uh, You know, your behavior's not been uh, acceptable. Uh, You've got to learn that you can't complain about the one who blesses you. Because at some point, I'm going to withdraw the thing that you want most. Your complaining drives me crazy. Now, most of you parents that have some children of age have have been there and experienced that. So complaining will cost you significantly. Now, I want you to be aware of what's called confirmation bias. Now, that's not an expression that most of us use. So let me explain. What this says is that you ha- if you have a preconceived idea against something uh, because of, of a bias that you have, you will search out and interpret all new information based on that preconceived bias. Let me give you an example. A woman gets hurt by a man. I won't ask if there are any women here that have been hurt by a man. But she decides all men are jerks. Now, some of you have experienced this. And if you've not experienced it personally, you've seen it on TV because there's a lot of this sort of thing. You know, this makes her good television uh, when people react this way. So every time she meets a new man, then because of her bias, she finds reasons to pick men apart and goes through life concluding that there are no good men anywhere because she's already made up her mind and interprets information based on her bias. Now, if you are critical and negative, then you will be miserable. And so will be the people around you. Uh, you, you have to understand that. Uh, if, if you're critical, you're negative all the time, it's, you're going to make your life miserable. I talked to several people in the first service who had this problem. And it's like, yes, you're right. I'm miserable. Um, and it's because they complain and are negative all the time. Uh, recent studies by sociologists note that the more blessed people are, the more critical they become. That concerns me because here we are living in the richest nation in the world. So that means we're going to tend to be uh, complainers because of, of our wealth. Recent uh, generations have become more critical negative and are complaining more one sociologist suggested it seems smaller family units are actually contributing to a more entitled mindset which leads people to be negative and critical now, this concerns me because we live in a culture where the size of the family is getting smaller uh, overall uh, he he said in Smaller families, the family conforms to the desires of the children. He said in a family of one or two kids, mom might ask, what would you like for dinner? And so she would make that, that was requested. In a large family, he says that would be totally impractical. You've got too many kids, you know, you can't ask one of them, what would you like uh, for dinner? But he said in a larger family, mom decides dinner's served. If there's one of the kids that doesn't like it, another kid says, thank God, there's more for me. And, you know, they don't go but so long without eating until they'll learn to eat the things that mom fixes, uh, whether they like it or not. In smaller families, focus changes from the needs of the family to the wants of an individual child. When the family continues to conform to the needs of the children, then children grow up thinking that they're the center of the universe. They think that they should always get what they want. Now, some of you parents, I can see heads head shaking. You've experienced that. You've seen that in your children as they've already gone past uh, this stage. Anytime they don't get what they want, Since everything in their mind revolves around them, they have the right, they think, the God-given right, which they really don't have, but they think they have, to complain. Things are not the, the way that they want them to be or the way that they think they should be, so ultimately they may even cast their complaints against God himself, God Why isn't my life the way I think it should be? And at its root, the intense spiritual problem with complaining is that we think we are God. That's the root of the problem. When anything is not the way we want it, we have the God-given right To complain. However, bottom line, God is the center of the story. Uh, God is the main character, not us. God doesn't exist to serve us, He exists so that and expects us to serve Him. He isn't on the throne saying, Oh, they're upset again, let me see what I can do to make them happy. If you think that's what God's thinking, <laughs> reality check. We exist to serve and glorify him. He is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. People complain because they think they're not the main because they think they're the main character. In our culture today, entire clusters of friendships are built around common dislikes. Now, Facebook and other social media is contributing to this. And uh, it, it's, it's really a, a negative thing in our culture today. They unite to have things their way. And when this happens, if necessary, surgery needs to take place before the whole body is consumed and destroyed. Well, how do we restrain our complaining? Philippians 2, verses 14 and 15. These are the verses I read at the beginning of the service. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Okay, if you complain, argue, you're open for criticism. But he said, don't do it so no one can uh, criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Okay, the what here. Do not complain or argue. That's what, that's what Paul's saying. Don't complain or argue. I recommend that you recite this verse every day. You'll need the reminder because we're so accustomed to doing it, we don't even think about it. Quote it to your children. Quote it to your spouse. Talk about it in all of your relationships. Now, if you're struggling in your marriage, I'll bet there's a lot of complaining and arguing going on. And the reason for that is because you think the relationship revolves around you. You think, you know, you're the center. You should have everything the way way you want it to be. If anything doesn't live up to your expectations, then you think you have a God-given right to complain about it. Now, when married couples come to me for complaining, one of the methods that I like to use, they obviously always bring along what I call laundry list. This is all the things that I don't like about my spouse. And it's like, okay, I have two of those. Well, it's, it's a lot. Believe me, it's a lot. Uh, but it's healthy to sit down and say, okay, uh, uh, these are the things you don't like about your spouse, but what is it that you like about your spouse? And then force them to take time to list all of the characteristics and qualities that they like about their spouse. And you know what? In a a short period of time, that list is longer than the first list. And so all of a sudden, squeezing the toothpaste tube in the middle becomes a very trite, insignificant issue. Visions 4, verse 29. Don't use foul or abusive language. Well, for one thing, remember, God hears everything. God knows everything. So even if you're thinking it, God is aware. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Obviously, foul and abusive language is not an encouragement. Anytime you're about to complain in the coming week, here's what I want you to do. Look at me. Bite your tongue. Now, I had one couple in the first service, and he told her, cut yours off. <laughs> I'm not recommending that to anybody. Just, just bite it. Just, just enough that it becomes painful. Don't bite a hole through it, but just enough so it becomes painful. So bite your tongue and pay attention if you do this as to how much less you'll talk during the coming week. And all you've done is cut out the complaining, uh, but it'll affect how much you talk. So don't complain and ride your kids all the time. Look for things to say to them to build them up. Um, You know, when you talk like, when you say, I'm sick of my job around the kids, when you say, uh, stupid people at my work, um, thank God you have a job. Plus, if it is a bad place to work, God's got you there for a reason, and that reason's to make it better. So make it better. Don't complain. Make it better. Be a positive positive influence. Let your words build others up rather than tearing them down. Complaining never made anything better. Why, Why not complain? Why not complain? Okay, good question. Why not? So that you can become more like Jesus. Now, you want to complain or you want to become more like Jesus? I would hope that you would want to become more like Jesus. I hope that's why you're church today. Philippians 2, verses 14 and 15. One more time. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. Now, notice the objective of not complaining and arguing is so that we can become pure and blameless. It is a heart issue at the root. It's not because those words came out of your mouth. It's because of what's in your heart. What's in your heart uh, is what determines what comes out of your mouth. We are trying to be at the center of everything. Listen to the words of Jesus. Luke 6, verse 45. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. Okay, he's a good person because his heart's good. And he produces good things. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Your words are indicative of the spiritual state of your heart. Words are external. Heart is internal. We can't just fix the external or we're missing the heart of the issue. We do not complain so that we can be more like Jesus. All right, now the how. How do I quit complaining? We're all complainers, honestly. Uh, if, you, if, if you don't know, you don't think you're a complainer, just ask the people are closest to you and they'll tell you. Um, how do I quit complaining? Well, by choosing to rejoice no matter what. This is the crux of the issue. Philippians 2, verses 17 and 18. These are the words of the Apostle Paul. He says, but I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy, yes, yes, you should rejoice and I will share your joy. Now you need to understand. Paul's a prisoner when he wrote this. He's under house arrest. Okay, he's not in a jail. Maybe you think that's better, but he can't leave the house if he loses if he leaves the house, you know, the guards can execute him right there then and there on the spot. So, you know, he can't go anywhere. He's probably thinking this is the end of the game for me. This is the end of my life. I'm about to die. He didn't complain about not being able to do ministry. He, you know, he could have complained, well, you know, God, I, I had intended to go to Spain and take the gospel, but because I'm imprisoned here, I can't go to Spain. I can't, I can't preach to people who have not yet heard the truth. He's not complaining that he's not able to do ministry. He had not done anything wrong. He was, he was arrested unjustly, but he's not complaining about that. Uh, He's going to rejoice with the people he's writing to, uh, the Philippians, even in his death. And this is the guy who had said on another occasion, I am crucified with Christ, or I'm put to death with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives inside of me. How could Paul say that? Uh, he could say that because he wasn't the center of the story. He recognized that. His heart was aligned with the heart of Jesus. He had been transformed. He had been forgiven. Therefore, he chose to rejoice. Now, I have a question for you. And this is going to take a lot of serious thought. I know you may have all sorts of negative things going on in your life. and You're thinking, I just want to complain. How much good has your complaining done in the past? How much good has it done? How much has it accomplished? I want you to take a moment and think about that. Now, if you're like me, it's not going to take you long to come to the conclusion. It it helps zero. It makes no difference. It does not improve anything. So you're right. The only thing you've done is offend the heart of God. The only thing you've done is poison people around you. The only thing you've done is destroy relationships, personal relationships, and inside the church as well. When you take your heart away from being the focus of the universe and you begin aligning it with Jesus, spiritual changes begin to take place. Eventually, your heart will become totally aligned with Jesus And you will, in fact, become more like Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I pray that your Spirit, through the Word, would do a work in our hearts. That we would stop our complaining, choosing instead to rejoice because we have been with you and we choose to be like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, bottom line. You can choose to complain or to rejoice. You can also choose to remain your own sin-stained self or choose to be like Jesus. What do you choose? If you are willing to choose with me, then I want you to please repeat after me, I quit complaining. Okay, now I'm going to say it. You repeat after me. First service misunderstood. You're smarter. I didn't say that, did I? (laughs) You're smarter than the first service. Okay, well, you can tell them, and I'll hear about it next week. Um, Okay, so I'm going to say it, and if you're willing to commit, then, then say it with me. I... Quit complaining. Okay, better than the first service. We're going to sing our song.